listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Vanessa Diaz. This is episode 385.5, airing on October 28th. And today I'm going to tell you about a few really fantastic horror reads for kind of creepy reading season. But before we get into that, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like a bit of a mess, then The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan is for you in its Academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Cordova's life is in shambles. All he's got going for him is one, he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two, a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine. So they're, you know, those are the positives. So when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to Tor Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. So I recently had a bit of a silly and embarrassing revelation while guest hosting on the One in Romance podcast on the show that aired on Monday, October 17th. I filled in for Trisha Brown, one of our hosts, and talked to Jess Pride about just basically season-appropriate romance reads, uh, which we expanded to mean, you know, it could be fall-related, it could be kind of creepy season-related, it could be all the things. And I realized in doing so, as I was lining up the books I wanted to recommend, that it is my MO that the minute I talk about or recommend anything to do with this time of year. So the month of October and just like spooky reads, creepy reads, etc. My default, witches. <laughs> like I love all things witchy. I love brujas. I love, you know, all of that. That's that's my place. That's my jam. That's what I line up for myself to read every year. I literally hoard witchy reads for this time of year. But I also really enjoy reading about other, you know, monsties and like paranormal entities and I don't know why I've honed so hard into witches other than because you know they bring me joy but I you know thought about it hey there are a lot of other things I could be talking about right now and I'm so glad that I thought to do so because my two recommendations for you today are books that I had gosh hadn't talked about in a while and are so good and I'm so excited to tell you about them today 
The first of which is The Changeling by Victor Laval. The first of which is, I hope I said that, I think I just got tongue-tied. But you know what? That's not important. What this book is about is... Uh, first, it is actually in development by Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's a series adaptation, I believe, starring Lakeith Stanfield. I cannot remember who else is attached to the project, except that I think it's being either directed or produced by Melina Matsukas, who did Queen and Slim and Insecure. So lots of fantastic talent attached to the project that I could not find a release date for, but trust me, I tried. But again, this book that that adaptation will be based on is just so brilliant. It has won all the awards, and I totally get why. How do I describe this? It is definitely horror. It is also sort of modern urban fantasy, maybe? Uh, It's like got fairy tale elements. It has this epic myth quality. It's one of those that this is so infuriating because I think I've said it on the last like two or three episodes of all the backlist, but it's, it's one of those where you don't I think, want to know too, too much about what you're getting into. Part of the genius of the way this book unfolds is just letting it happen without knowing all that much. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a loose framework and then gush at you about other reasons that are not specific to, you know, like plot details that I think make it so fantastic. So the main character's name is Apollo and his father disappeared years before the events in this book take place. And what we know about the time that his father disappeared is that he left behind this box of books for Apollo. And also Apollo since then has been having these really strange, not altogether settling, recurring dreams. So now as this book opens, Apollo is a father himself. He and his wife, Emma, have just welcomed a little baby, I think a baby boy. They're settling into, you know, parenthood and going through the new parent things. They're exhausted and anxious and, you know, worrying and of course in love with their child, but there's just a whole lot going on because that is how that goes when, you know, tiny humans first you know make their way into our lives. Um, from what I've heard, I'm not a parent myself, but I, ooh, so this next part, (laughs) Apollo is fairly positive that some strange behavior on Emma's part is probably or are probably signs of postpartum depression. But before he can really do anything about that to either suss it out or propose ways to help, Emma does something real bad and then vanishes with the child, maybe, we think. And after that, you are plunged into the freezing cold water, (laughs) you know, metaphorically, that is this sort of city beneath the city. And I think I forgot to mention that this book is set in New York. So this kind of alternate underground of a different dimension, New York, is like New York and looks like New York, but is also very much not in some very significant ways. Keep in mind, this is a work of horror with supernatural elements. It's I don't want to tell you what's coming your way. You just have to let it happen to you. But it is brilliant and unsettling and just you keeps you thinking and guessing the entire time. The book is bursting with tropes and references to other works of horror and SFF and to mythology of other, you know, different, like think both Norse and Greek, if I remember correctly, and and just legends that I, I, I'm sure there's references in here that I didn't even clock because there's so much going on, but not in a way that's like, you know, checking off any boxes and just like, let me shove this in here. It's it's seamless and just effortlessly done. And I, I guess effortlessly isn't maybe even the right way to put it because it's definitely done with intention. But what we get is this really modern, and I do mean modern, I mean cell phones and apps are like a part of this plot, as is a theme of sort of the invasion of internet privacy 
But it's this examination, social criticism of everything from, you know, parenthood, toxic masculinity, it's discussions of race. And in all of that also confronts head on how all of these, you know, what might be like familiar tropes and conventions, but how they specifically in this case apply to a black man. And wow, that combo of social criticism and the supernatural elements smacked me in the face, as did Laval's descriptions not only of like the horrible thing that is happening but of the way it makes his characters feel and like that right there was the part that sometimes made me had to kind of close the book and take a deep breath not because I couldn't handle what was on the page per se but because I could just feel it like oh uh, wow like it's just it overcomes you for a second in a way that I think is again so brilliant when executed on the page so this is just a perfect read for this time of year for this you know creepy reading season if that's what you're into Highly recommend picking this one up. I will give some trigger warnings that are potentially a little bit spoilery. So if that's not your jam, I'm going to give it to you in five, four, three, two, one. Um, Harm to a child and some other kind of on-page related violence. Again, such a fantastic read. I hope that you'll get into this and also to go back, as I intend to, into the rest of Victor Laval's backlist and frontlist because he's got some new projects too. So again, that is The Changeling by Victor Laval. And in my second creepy but not witchy read, <laughs> I'm recommending a work of YA horror, and that is Five Midnights by Anne Davila Cardinal. Anne Davila Cardinal, I have actually talked about in my last, I believe, two episodes of the main show of all the books. Most recently, I talked about The Storyteller's Death, which is her October release that, ooh, so good. It's like a story of of family, of intergenerational kind of trauma and like mystery. It's full of magical realism, also set in Puerto Rico, much like the book I'm about to talk to you is. And then another one that she contributed to is Our Shadows Have Claws, which is a horror anthology where all the stories are based in Latina legend. And mm, so, so delicious. I loved that one so much. It's actually really visually stunning too, really beautifully illustrated. So, other than those two things, the series that really got me to first be a fan of And Davila Cardinal is the, this book, Five Midnights, and the second book in what I believe is a duology called Category 5. I have not read the second, but I have read the first. So this novel is set in Puerto Rico. It's inspired by the Latine boogeyman myth, which is El Cuco. Like in Mexico, I knew this boogeyman creature as El Cucuy, but in Puerto Rico and in a lot of other Latine countries, it's El Cuco. So all I know, really the summary TLDR here is that many a brown kid hath only done their chores due to the threat of this thing, guy, person, entity, snatching you up and taking you away. <laughs> so it was just really great to see that this was the kind of inspiration behind the, the you know, horror element to this book. So when it first opens, we learn that a string of very suspicious deaths has started to take the lives of each of a group of friends. And of course, it's rocked the island. Lupe Davila, who is our main character, is visiting the island for the summer from Vermont. And she meets Javier, who is a longtime friend to the boys who've been killed. I don't exactly remember how they meet. I think it's probably just, you know, proximity like neighbors or what have you. But all I remember is that they really can't stand each other's faces <laughs> when they first meet. They're there's, there's some strong aversion to get over, but they are going to have to get over it because things are getting really unsafe on the island and they are both pretty determined to try to figure out who, you know, or what is killing these young men. The clues very much start to lead away from the, you know, idea that this is a human culprit and more towards the supernatural, but like 
what you know they're very like how how, how is that no like google's not real right he's not real. is he real no he can't be real and so that is of course what you're trying to figure out to see you know who and or what is responsible i went back to my review of this book from when i first read it back in 2019 and reviewed it in the audiobooks newsletter that i used to write and i'll say now what i said then which is that generally speaking i do not dig it when people describe characters as sassy especially like characters of color women of color latina women but in this particular case i don't think it is the lazy stereotype that it often is like legitimately lupe is a pistol <laughs> as are like i love her interaction with javier and with some of the other characters in this book it's rendered really well like the dialogue is by the audiobook narrator, if that is a format that you like to read in, Almari Guerra, who is oh, just does such distinct character kind of differentiations in each of their attitudes, their accents, their inflections. Like it's just so clear which character is which. And the dialogue, again, both because And Avila Cardinal just gets it and writes it well, pops off the page and is just, again, rendered even more brilliantly by this really expert narration. I also love, I have to talk about this every time I talk about this book, (laughs) that there's a rapper in the story named Papi Gringo. And if you don't (laughs) get that right away, you may not be, as I am, a reggaeton fan. (laughs) Like, there is a very kind of the OG, the like, you know, Papi, if you will, of reggaeton, who is named Daddy Yankee. You may or may not, if you're of a certain age, remember his like the big reggaeton song that put him and kind of the genre sort of on the map globally. And that is, you know, Gasolina. (laughs) It's like the anthem of my collegiate experience but anyway i just thought that was so funny that she snuck that in by calling him papi gringo <laughs> just sort of a play on on that same name so yeah not crucial to the plot at all <laughs> but it's just something that i find really delightful when i get to see again like i always say bits of myself or like the way that i grew up in my culture uh, at large reflected on the page and again the book is just so fun so if you're looking for a work of horror that is you know, scary, but like maybe not the kind that's going to completely keep you up at night, but that's just a really fun, so also kind of a, a mystery element to it with some some creepy vibes. This is a great place to start. And that is Five Midnights by Anne Davila Cardinal. So those are the picks I have for you today. I hope you've got that and lots of other great seasonal, creepy, spooky reading lined up for yourself, if that is what you are into, much like I am. And remember, if you too need to expand your horizons beyond the witchy reading, it is okay. The witches will always be there for you. (laughs) Thank you so much to our sponsor and thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, for doing such magic behind the scenes to get these shows sounding as good as they do. And thank you, of course, to you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of all the books I've mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate when you do that since it helps other book lovers find us. And if you want to find me, I am mostly on Instagram these days at Buenos Dias SD. That's B-U-E-N-O-S-D-I-A-Z-S-D. And in the meantime, happy creepy reading. Happy creepy reading.